0: The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to turn to God's Word together. Um, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 1 tonight. If you have a Bible, all the, the Bible verses will be up on the screen. Um, so uh, you can follow along there. If you don't have a Bible, it's no problem. Um, this is a bit of a different sermon than typically what we do is uh, we take a book in the Bible and we just work right through the book of the Bible. Um, but uh, we did that uh, earlier this year and so we're kind of doing a few kind of one-offs. And so tonight I thought we'd do a bit of a, a different sermon just because I want us to take a moment, as uh, Matt was saying, to kind of take uh, a step back and reflect. Bill and I were talking before the service and it's, um, we don't have a lot of like, cultural rites of passages, Bill would say. But we do, everybody observes, we have New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and we all recognize it's kind of a start over or a new beginning. And so what I thought we'd do tonight is um, we would look at a a chapter uh, from the Apostle Paul written to a church very much like like our own. And um, the Thessalonians were a small church, they were a small church plant. They had just started. They weren't, you know, very old, kind of like us. And yet, um, Paul has some amazing things to say to them. And in many ways, I feel like this is a bit of—it's uh, a bit of a love letter from me to you, based on what I see God doing in our church together. So I just—it's a—we're just going to kind of take this chapter and we're going to reflect on the past year. And I think. By God's help, we're going to have a little bit of some direction looking into the year ahead. So um, if this is your first time with us, this is a bit of a different sermon, but still I'm grateful that you are with us. So let me ask for God's help, and then we're going to look at this chapter together. Father, we don't want to presume to understand your word without your help, and so we want to look at your word together and ask for you to help us. Would you send your spirit now that we would know your word, that we would understand your word, and Father, that by your Spirit, that we would experience fresh faith for who you are and what you're doing among us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, as we're looking at First Thessalonians, um, like I was saying, this was a, this is a church uh, in the Apostle Paul's ministry where he'd kind of he'd been there for a few weeks and he got um, kicked out of town uh, because people were opposing the the gospel, but then. A little while later, sent a messenger. sent Timothy to go check in on them. Timothy, what's going on? I love these people. We were there for a few weeks. I want to check in and see what God's doing. Timothy comes back, gives us report. And so this church is actually about a year old, a year or two old at this point. So they're very much kind of tracking alongside where we are at. We, are, um, we did our public launch in, in uh, March of this year, wherever Easter was. March or April, it always changes. March or whatever. You know what I mean. We were did it this year. <laughs> We've been we, but we there've been several of us have been working at this for the last two and a half years, and so very much like the Thessalonians, um, we are a small church that God is using and God loves, and so here Paul is looking at them. And as we're looking at this chapter with Paul, what Paul is saying to them, I want us to pick out this the simple truth that we want to be a thankful people with faith filled prayers. I want to be a thankful people with faith-filled prayers. And so what I'm going to do is I just want to read through chapter one, and we're just going to break it up into three parts, and I'm just going to make a few observations and then talk about how I see these verses alive in our life together as a church. So we're going to start out verse one. We're going to see changes. We're going to see that they are changed by gracious love, that we are changed by gracious love. So this is Paul Sylvanus or Silas, if you're ever wondering where we got the name Silas from. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, to the Church of Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you all, for all of you, constantly remembering you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father. Your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So I don't want us to... Typically what happens is when you look at an epistle of the apostle, um, you kind of like skip over the first few verses. It's usually like, yeah, 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 Paul, whatever. Grace and peace. Now the good stuff, right? But I don't want to skip over these opening, this opening verse. To the church of the the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. God, when God sent this letter to the Thessalonians, it is God saying, "I love local churches. I love." Churches, I love my people where they come together and are committed together in Jesus. I love my people, I love my people because I have gathered them together in jesus i you realize this church and our church only exist because God the Father sent his lord, lord the Lord Jesus Christ to die and bring us together in him so when When God thinks of the local church, he says, I love the local church. I want to care for them. I want to support them. I want to uphold them. I want to encourage them. And I want them to live in my grace and peace. And so he sends the word. So God sends his word. That's how we get grace and peace. Paul always begins his letters grace to you. And then he ends his letters, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And what's in between is the word, which is how we get the grace of God. And we enjoy the grace and peace of God by living under the word together. He loves the local church. God loves King's Cross Church. However goofy and weird and I own a misfit toys we are, right? God loves the local church. He loves you. And so this year, as we think about what does it mean for us to be a church, here are all the things. I just want to kind of, I'm going to do this a few times during our time here in First Thessalonians. just kind of, I want to list off the ways that we have become a church together. Right, we started, uh, we started uh, weekly groups a couple years ago, and then in January we split into two weekly groups. So We have one, like I was just saying before, we have one that meets on Tuesday nights, one meets on Thursday nights. That is how we enjoy the grace and peace of God together. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll, we typically do a Bible study. We'll look at a passage of scripture together. But sometimes, somebody in the group would just have so much going on. We'll just listen to what what's going on. And then we'll pray for them. And we'll live at peace together in the peace of God, praying for more grace for each other. So we have, we have our meeting. We have our... Uh, Small groups that have been going, we, uh, in January, we also started meeting weekly for this time, worship services. We started worshiping every week starting in January this year, which is not, um, that is not a trivial, it's not a trivial event. To gather together weekly, to worship Jesus, to receive his word together, receive the sacraments together, to be reminded every week of the goodness of God and the gospel to us. We've been start we'd, we we've been meeting weekly ever since January, and then like I was fumbling over earlier, we had a public launch at Easter this year where we were basically doing the same thing we were doing before, but we were just kind of telling people about it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a big shebang. Um, there weren't helicopters involved. It was just uh, we we're just saying, hey, we're loving Jesus together, and all y'all come out <laughs> and do it with us, right? <laughs> so we incorporated as a church. Now I know that's a bit of a legal term, incorporation. Um, we're telling the government that we exist. But I think that the incorporation is a, is a special moment where we as an organized body of, of believers say we are committed to each other and we're going we're gonna to stake our name on that. We're going to come together. We're recognizing what God's doing together in us. We had our first membership recently, first, first people who were committed to be a part of King's Cross, committed to each other, and we're going to do another one coming up soon. So if you want to do that, if you want to become a member here, please let me know. We're going to do that February, March timeframe. Um, you also received me as your pastor, which is, you didn't have to do that. You could have said, you know what, let's get a, let's get a reboot on this. <laughs> it's been a joy to be your pastor. Uh, we have men's meetings on the, once a month that have been meeting together to enjoy God's grace together and pray to grow, grow in Christ together. We have women's m- meetings during the months that have been happening as well, doing the same thing. So these are men and women outside of our small groups, and this time saying, we want to grow to be more like Jesus, so we're going to spend more time together to grow to be more like Jesus. So you see how this is not just kind of like a small thing where we're like, oh, we're just a church and we kind of like do, do our thing. Like, this is a committed relationship together. And not only that, but I, so uh, Rachel does such a great job doing our sermon artwork. So instead of listing off our sermons, I thought I'd give you the, the actual sermon slides. So here we go. We did Rooted. So that was Foundations for Mission. We covered our eight core values as a church. Talked about who, what, who are we as Kings Cross Church and how are we building? We did Redemption face-to-face where we looked at the Gospel of Luke. And we looked at all the personal encounters between Jesus and individuals. And that was, I don't know about you guys, that that was so rich to look at who Jesus was as he encountered personal people. Like, What what did he personally say to them? Then we we looked at songs of Jesus, so that was the book of Psalms, and and we looked at the topic of joy together. looked at what does it look like to be a people of God who sing from the book of, of God finding joy together. And we looked at everyday church, so everyday church, remember that was a series where we look, just did like three or four sermons on, on First Peter where we were looking at what does it mean to be on mission, what does it mean to be missional, the term missional is, is to be missionaries in our own zip code, what does it like to be missionaries here, let's see the next one, and then we had two more, we had prayer, grabbing God's face, just looking at the topic of prayer because we all stink at prayer, let's just, just admit it, you know, <laughs> prayer is really important and we want to grow in prayer together. And then Songs of the Savior. We did this with uh, River of Grace and Conquer. We looked at the songs about the, the birth of Christ from the Gospel of Luke. We just finished that one up. That, just looking at God's word together, that was what God, by his grace, he gave us his word through those sermon series together that we've enjoyed. Like that was just, that's just incredible to kind of step back. It, it's, that's why it's a bit of a different sermon series. You don't typically do this. But just to step back and say, like, wow, I, we really looked at a lot of God's word together. Like, that was really rich. And then just as a small thing, we're not about the numbers, but to say we started with like 10 people <laughs> like two and a half years ago. And when we launched, we had like 25 people meeting and now we're closer to like 40 people. Again, we're not about the numbers, but it's just so grateful for the disciples of Jesus and the new disciples of Jesus that are coming together to commit to each other and to commit to Jesus together. So I... I don't know what Paul was thinking about in his head when he thought about the details like that. So we're talking about the details of what does that mean to be King's Cross from this year? What did Paul think about the details? I don't know when he looked to the Thessalonians. But what he does do is he doesn't just say, hey, you're a church, that's great, thumbs up. <laughs> he says, I thank God for you. So, verse two, we give thanks to God always for you all constantly remembering you in our prayers. Do you realize, one of my jobs as your pastor is to pray for you, and just like Paul, whenever I think of every one of you, I thank God for what he's doing in your life. I am so thankful in prayer. I, I have a list of names, and every morning, when I get back, when I get to my office, the first thing I do is I sit down, and I pray through that list of names, and I just, I thank God, each one of you, I just, I see the name, I thank God for what he is doing in your life and it's not trivial that God would give his grace to you so it's a joy to be able to recognize God's grace in your life and to say God thank you for what you're doing would you continue to do that would you give them more grace for this issue that's come up this last week would you give them more peace in this turmoil that they're facing I think about you, I pray for you, this is what Paul says, I thank God always for you all. I, and I just wanna say, I want us to be a people, and I think that we are, but I, I want us to be a people that are just constantly thanking God for the grace that we've seen in each other's life. I mean, like just a small example, I, know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but John has been playing drums up here the last couple months, and he's been doing a great job at it. He doesn't have to do that. But I, I thank God for the God's grace in John's life to serve us, and musically in worshiping God. God is giving each one of you a profound grace that His Son had to die for, and we get the privilege of seeing it at work in each other's lives. it's just you know, we we'll just make a resolution. If we're making resolutions, you know, I don't know if you make resolutions but if you make resolution make a resolution to say God I, I want to be resolved to thank you for your grace in other people's lives more often I want to do it once a day once a week sit down just take 10 minutes and reflect what is God doing? I, 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 do, I don't do numbers very well however many people are here for the record it's a thousand <laughs> But however many people are here What is God doing? I mean, there's 10,000 things of grace that God is doing in each one of your lives. And can we just take like five minutes to thank God for them? Like what a joy to enter into God's joy at giving grace to each other. So Paul is a thankful pastor. He prays for them and he thanks God for them. And then just verse three, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. I just want to pick up on this phrase, labor of love, because Paul is looking at them. So this is where it's helpful to remember, their church is maybe a year or two old, kind of like King's Cross. Not very old. There's a lot of work that goes in to making a church happen. Just, to, just the administrative stuff that's going on, I don't know what Paul's thinking of, but clearly he's, when he says labor of love, he's thinking of details and he's kind of making a category. Your labor of love. So when I think of King's Cross, your labor of love. Just a few things that come to mind. So labor of love is, I thank God for this regular. We have two worship leaders. Do you realize this? We have, we have Bill and we have Matt. And we don't have me leading worship. <laughs> I'm just so thankful I don't have to lead. I've done it once in the last year. And I'm, I'm, I imagine you're all grateful that it was only once. But I, we have two worship leaders who put a profound amount of effort and work into not only being good musicians but caring musicians who lead us in good songs to worship Jesus together. That is a labor of love. So let's just say 52 weeks in a year, so Matt's led 26, Bill's led 26, or one of them's led one less because I did one, you know, but still, you get the idea. Two worship leaders who are a labor of love to care for us in good songs. Okay, this whole sound system thing, I just want you guys to realize I had nothing to do with any of this. This was all Drew. Drew constructed everything about this sound system. And it was all a labor of love so that we can hear clearly. So we can enjoy the music. Because I don't know if you know much about music. This room is, is stone cold dead when it comes to sound. But we, have, we can hear and enjoy God's presence with us through music and speaking. Because Drew has put so much effort into helping us put this sound system together. Okay, now this is one that I know that everybody's going to both enjoy and maybe groan over. We've had, f- we, we, we do a meal at every service, and we've had 52 services this year, you know, maybe minus one because we weren't here last week. That's 52, 51 meals that have been painstakingly prepared, lovingly warmed, crafted. Rachel's been a major part of that. Michelle and Heather and Jen, all a part of constructing these meals, these, this labor of love that we come and chow down on every Saturday night. They, they don't have to do that. I just want you to know they're not getting paid to do that. It's a labor of love that they do that for us. And not only is it 52 meals, but then it's also 52 children's ministry compounds that have been, you know, constructed and contained and cultivated 52 weeks where we have done children's ministry. People have done that. People have helped the McCurdys move their stuff into their garage and then out of the garage into their house. So We've helped the McCurdys move. You guys have cared for each other. I've, I've seen people make sacrificial, not only t- gifts of time and money, to care for each other during this year. That is a, that's a labor of love, to care for each other. Sacrificial giving to support the church. Loving your neighbors. Caring for the people that live right around you. That is a labor of love. When Paul looks at the Thessalonians, and if he were to look at our church, I think he would see the same thing. People that are brought together by Jesus, to love Jesus together, who are laying their lives down on the line. Just laying everything out to love people around It's it a labor of love. And it's not just that God sees who they are, what they're doing, but I just want you to pick up on verse four, for we know brothers loved by God. I love that Paul has this phrase, that they are loved by God. He doesn't want them to get caught up in all the activity of a church. Right. You, you, there's a lot of things you could give your time to and find your effort in and do all that it, it, there's a lot that goes in right? A labor of love covers a lot of things but when God thinks of them they are loved by God the God of the universe who could be thinking about an infinite number of things other than you thinks about you he says, I love you he, he thinks of you and he he says, you are loved by God. All the people here tonight, we could even we could right now, we could take a moment and say, turn to each other, you know, you pass the peace in some churches. Loved by God. Loved by God. Loved by God. Loved by God. You are loved by, if you are here at King's Cross Church, you are one of the people that God says, he looks you right in the face and says, you are loved by God. It is a joy to live among people that are loved by God. God sees all your work, all your labor, all your sacrifices, all your desires and efforts to be a faithful people committed to each other. And he says, that's great. But the most important thing is, I love you. So when Paul says this to their people, they're not only only changed by gracious love, changed by this love of God, Pick up in verse five, they're examples by the empowering spirit. So we're just going to pick up in verse five. We'll back up. For we know, brothers, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. One of the things that Paul, when he thinks about people who are in Christ, people who are disciples of Jesus, and he looks at them, he sees the empowerment of this Holy Spirit. He sees that the Holy Spirit has come into their life, and they are now examples of God's grace. You are an example of God's grace. Everything about your Christian life, all the things that disappoint you about how you are as a Christian, all the things that you see God doing through you as a Christian, all the things that you see God doing through other people around you as a Christian, that. That is the Holy Spirit. There is not one part of your life that is not the Holy Spirit's work in you and through you as a Christian. The Holy Spirit is working through you. Everything in you, every obedience, every conviction, every sacrifice, every desire to pray, every time that you come here, every time you serve other people, that's not just kind of like you doing it and kind of like, okay, God, do I get a check on this? No, that is the Holy Spirit in your life living out the glory of God, and the grace of God in your life. You are acting out the grace of God in serving other people, and a- that acting out, that's the Holy Spirit in you. So do you, where is God in your life? Well, you, you came to worship him tonight. That was the Holy Spirit. Where is God in your life? You had that fainting prayer, like, God, I just don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what's going on. That's the Holy Spirit. You have the, that the moment where you sacrifice time for another person. That's the infinite God, the Holy Spirit coming and living in your life. Those moments are not trivial. Our life together here at King's Cross, however weird we are, that is the Holy Spirit living out the goodness of God in your life you see there verse 6 it's not just that God is living out the Holy Spirit's empowerment in their life but you became inter- imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word so they responded to the gospel they received the word of God in much affliction as I think about our church in this last year I think about many of you and specific aspects of your life and what's going on affliction is a term that comes to mind. Suffering, pain, disappointment, frustrations. For them, it was persecution, but for you, it's whatever whatever things that you feel like at the end of 2016, I never thought that I wouldn't have to deal with this. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. It should not surprise us, but it tends to, and yet, when Paul looks at them, he says, yes, you're afflicted, and, and God cares about that, but also God cares about how you respond to the affliction. So he says, that you receive the word with much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> there is a way in God's economy to receive massive blows of disappointment. Massive sorrow, massive affliction, and yet to say, God, I, I don't put my trust in the things I can see, or the things I'd hope for, but I, I put my trust in you, and I know that you're with me, and I know that you love me, because you just said that they are loved by God. I know that you love me, and so I'm gonna find my joy in you, because you are a happy God, even though I do not understand why there is this sad thing going on in my life. There is, there is a way to suffer with joy. And that doesn't mean that you just kind of bottle up the, the bad stuff and the pain and the frustration and the why God. Actually, that's why we read the Psalms. We read the Psalms a lot because, frankly, I want to give you guys the, the ability to say, God, this is messed up. Why is this going on? That, the Psalms say that over and over and over again. But they say it in faith of who God is, which is how When Paul looks at them, he can say, yeah, you can say it for what it is, but you can say it with faith and joy with who God is. And I see that in your your lives. I see suffering, I see disappointment, I see affliction. But I see God giving you the grace to respond with joy. And that's, again, another of the things, when I look at your name on my list of names, I thank God for giving you the grace to respond to affliction with joy. And so it's not just that they became examples or they just, they suffered, but they actually became examples. They, they, God is working in them. So you see there, so, so that it's verse seven, so that you became an example to all the believers in their area. So you might translate that today. So that you who are in Manchester, New Hampshire became an example to all the believers in New Hampshire, Right? It's a bit of a trans, approximate translation, right? <laughs> it's, um, they became an example. So God's grace comes into their life and they are living out grateful lives, thankful lives, faith-filled lives, and they become an example to the people in, in their area, in their state, in their region. What God is working in you, he's not working it in you as a dead end. He is working it in you. He is working in you so that you might be an example to others, that so he might show his grace to other people around you, which is, again, another part of our life together. That's why we don't just want a bunch of Hallmark cards who sit in a chair and say, ah, oh, Jesus is great. Because <laughs> life is hard, right? But when people come and they sit, people who are suffering sit next to people who are joyful, we learn from each other, we become examples of God's grace to each other, we, we learn more of the peace of God together, and it's not only just for us, but it's for, as a testimony of who, who God is and what he's doing here to other people. So this year, we have had other pastors come in and preach, care for us from God's word, right? And one of the ways that that has worked is that they take a report back, hey, King's Cross Church. Yeah, they're a bunch of weird people, but you know what God's doing there? You know, it, it, they take a report back to their church about who we are and what God's doing here. So, so you see, we're, we're living this out among each other. And so we've had this year, I just want to put together a list just to remind you. We've had Paul Buckley from our sending church. We had Paul Buckley here three times. We took the second place for the guy who took, served us the most here. Preached here th- three times. Jeff Havisto from King of Grace in Haverhill. Bauer Evans from Crossway and Franklin. We had Dave Magoon again from Crossway and Franklin. So these are all churches that are part of our family of churches in Sovereign Grace. They, came, they sent pastors out to care for us and then to take a report back. How's King's Cross doing? They're doing great. They're growing in the Lord. They are afflicted and yet joyful. They're taking reports back. So we had David Pickney. He takes the cake. He was here four times this year. David Pickney came down four times Tim Kerr, our foreign representative from Canada. Toby Gaynor, another foreign representative from England. actually Ex- doesn't live there. He's actually in Haverhill. But they, but they both had great accents, right? And so they kind of like filled out the international flavor for us. Um, Tim Shorey, so our, our, our region and Sovereign Grace from halfway through Pennsylvania. up. We're the furthest northern church. Uh, our regional leader is Tim Shorey. He's actually from this area. So Tim Shorey was here preaching for us once, and then Michael, Michael Lilly from King of Grace again. So all of these guys, so there's what, nine pastors that have been here, visited King's Cross, seen you, seen your faith, and then taken a report and spreading who, who is God, what he's doing. Just to give you a heads up, Sovereign Grace is has put together in the process of putting a video together. We've got like two minutes in it. Uh, A report about what God's doing here to all the churches in Sovereign Grace. So your lovely faces are going to be in a Sovereign Grace video, whether you want it to be or not. (laughs) (laughs) But, so they are taking back, they're taking back a report and this is what I, this is what I see and this is what they are saying to the people. When they say, who is King's Cross and what are they doing? faithful serving and giving. You guys are serving each other. You are going out uh, on a small group night when you're supposed to be doing a small group because somebody's flat, got a flat tire in the snow and fixing the flat tire in the snow. You are uh, very graciously watching and babysitting children. You <laughs> are providing meals for people. You're caring for people. You're calling people, praying for people. There's, there's, there's small, quote, small acts of, of obedience that nobody else sees. Yet, several of you have talked with, and I know. Small, nobody sees them. Obedience that sacrificially obeying God. Weekly caring for each other in our small groups. Sacrificial love. We've been starting to do these um, small groups where we are going to, uh, on, during the month, going to Roca right, once a month. Once a month, one of the groups is going to Roca. One of the groups is going to Villa Crest to do uh, the bingo with them. Serving our neighbors. Trusting God to, to see provision for jobs and homes and next steps. What is God doing and where is he going? Where, what's going on with my life? And then, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but one of the ways that God has used King's Cross this year is he has, he's led our friend, Lukeman, to trust in Christ so we've seen new life this year a man come to know Christ for the first time and it's amazing to see God use use us that's the report that they're taking back that's the report that they're sharing that you are faithful to to love the gospel and proclaim the gospel so let's finish up for 1 Thessalonians together let's pick up in verse 9 Because they are, Paul is recognizing that they are also running to Jesus. So verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So they are raised to hope. We are, when we trust in Christ, we aren't just kind of like getting rid of the debt, right? We're not just kind of like forgetting. No more sins counted against us, but we're actually being raised to hope, raised to, to new life, raised to a life that we expect to have with Jesus. Jesus, you're going to come back. And we're looking forward to it. And it's, it's when we believe the gospel, we are saying, Jesus, you save me from the wrath of God that I just, that I deserve. So he's saying, save from the wrath to come. There at the end of verse 10, when we look to Christ and we're hoping in him, we know the wrath of God is coming, but because we're in him, we have nothing to fear. So we are looking to Jesus, we're anticipating his return, we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to it in faith of what we will receive, but we have not seen, which is why I had Drew read Hebrews 11 earlier. We, when we believe in what we don't see, we believe Jesus is going to come back and when he comes back, he is going to vindicate us. He's going to give us a new kingdom with him. He, we're not going to have to fear the wrath of God. So we're looking forward to something that's coming, but we don't see it yet, right? Like Hebrews 11 says, we greet it from afar, but we don't see it. That's why I had Drew read that. We, we join all the people of the Bible. We, they, they fill out the seats here, right? They fill out the picture of what's going on. We join them in anticipating what God is doing. Because but unlike them, we have a certainty in who Jesus is and what God has done to him. So I just want to end by looking at Hebrews twelve. So this is the passage right after what Drew read for us. So we have all this cloud of witnesses that are looking forward to what they haven't seen, and then Jesus comes and he's what they've been looking forward to, right? So Hebrews verse Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, if you imagine, imagine being in the middle of a football stadium and the crowd around is all filled up of all these people from, from the Bible, and they're all looking down on King's Cross Church, right? If you were to imagine an invisible football field, it just kind of sits down. Here we are right in the middle of it. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are looking forward to Jesus. We're running after him. We're hoping in him. And all these labors this year all, all the work that you've been doing with King's Cross and serving and loving each other, all that, by God's design, has been a part of your race to follow Jesus. So it's not just kind of like that you just kind of like happen to plop in here. I'm kind of like wondering what's going on. <laughs> Being a part of this church, loving each other, committing to each other, serving, building together, that has been God's design for how you how he is filling out this picture of your path behind Jesus this year. What's been your path to follow Jesus, to be conformed to him? Well, a lot of it's been our life together here. God has designed this to be your path behind Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean if you leave here, you're sinning or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying, right? You can join another church. That's no big deal. But it, it's a part of our life together that God has designed our life together to be after Jesus, running after Jesus together. And as we look ahead, as we look ahead to 2017, I just want to raise these two categories because they're raised here. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. As you look back at 2016, are there habits and patterns, sins and weaknesses, sins and things that are just keep stumbling you over that you need to repent of and lay aside to follow after Jesus in 2017. Right? What are the things that you think, okay, I, I, just, I should not be doing this. This is not okay. This, this passage says, don't just lay it aside. Yes, yeah, so let's repent of those things but let's lay aside so that we get Jesus. See that? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. So we repent of our sin because we want to get Jesus. We don't just repent of our sin to oppress each other. If we want to impress each other with repenting of sin, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but we're not going to do it here. We're going to repent of sin because we get Jesus. We get more of him, we get him together. So we want so just as a category to raise for you, what are things you need to repent of from two, looking forward to 2017? But then what are the things that you need faith for? So we, we want to repent, yes, repent, but faith. What, it, what is God calling you to? What is he calling us to, that we want to believe him for? To get more of Jesus is certainly a pro, the number one and always number one. Get more of Jesus, know him more. Enjoy his presence with us more. Enjoy more of him in the gospel. What are things that you need, to believe, that you need God's grace to believe him for? Because here at the end of this year, as, as you end 2016 as a church, and then we look forward to 2017 as a church, I want us to end as thankful people with faith-filled prayers. I want to, I just, I'm so, I hope you guys are picking this up. I am so thankful for what God is doing in our church. And I want us to be faith-filled about what he's going to do in the year ahead. So what we're going to do is we're going to break into small... Right now, we're going to break into small groups. And this is going to make some of you introverts very uncomfortable. But as your pastor, I care about you. And you extroverts, I I put this charge on you. No more than 30-second prayers, okay? So (laughs) we're going to break into small groups of three to four people. And we're going to spend the next five minutes or so praying together. And so I have these prayer categories. Put them up on the screen. Um, and th- there's six of them. So if you group of three or four, just 15, 30-second prayer on each one should get us five minutes of prayer or something like that. Pray that God would use us, make us steadfast in hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That we would always have Jesus in our hearts and in front of us every day of 2017 want more Jesus in front of us in 2017. Pray that we would experience a fresh power from the Holy Spirit. To know his presence with us and walk in the joy of the Holy Spirit. We want to experience God together, guys. And so we need to pray for God to give us more experiences of his presence with us. Pray that we would continue to spread the gospel of Christ to our neighbors in area. Pray about any areas of repentance of sin that are holding us back from walking in holiness with Jesus. Pray to experience the fresh joy of forgiveness of sins and the love of God. Pray for faith for whatever God is leading us to this next year. That's our strategy for 2017. I don't have a big plan, no big marketing campaign. I'm just going to pray and trust that God's going to lead us.